Our scripture today came from the book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatian church. And it was read from the third chapter and the 23rd through the 27th verse. But what I want to do is I want to go to the first verse for a moment before we lift up the 23rd verse. And I want to read the first through the fifth verse of Paul's letter to the Galatian church from the third chapter. Reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible, these are the words as they are recorded. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? The 23rd verse reads as thus. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. The Bible talks a lot about faith. But what is it really? Is it hope? Is it wishing? Is it some form of escapism? We are told that God even gives some people a measure of it. So is it a thing to be given and received in various quantities like someone giving out flour or rice? What really is faith? And more importantly, why is it so important to God? In the book of Hebrews, it is described as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But what really does that mean? What I'd like you to do is to turn your attention to the screens for a moment and watch this very brief video. And trust uh, between one another. So Harrison, if you don't mind going first, uh, step up here on this chair and close your eyes. All right, and then everybody fill in. And we're going to ask you to fall, and then they will catch you. So you have to trust us. I'm going to count to three. Just relax and fall, okay? One, two, three. No, wait, no, no! Now, from the video, I want to submit to you I let, I let the humor play out for a moment. But that man probably suffered serious harm and damages. 
And I want to submit to you that faith is the willingness to act on what we believe. But how do we know that what we are believing is really true? And how do we know that when we act, there will be people there to catch us? It is with this thought in mind that as we head into 2019, a new year, wondering who is going to catch us, that I've titled this message, Clothed in Christ. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to you now at this time for the preaching hour. Speak now to us, Lord, for we have prepared our hearts and our minds to receive what thus saith the Lord. But how can we learn unless you send the preacher? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So may their ears be open and their hearts ready to receive what thus saith the Lord. This we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Very often we in the Christian circles assume that the gospel is mainly for non-Christians and unbelievers. We often assume that once we become believers, we don't need to hear or study the gospel because we think we know all there is to know. But the truth is we need to continue to grow in our relationship and in our knowledge of God. By way of a brief history, the Apostle Paul was a church-planting missionary. After he would plant a church in a certain region, he would then leave that region, go to another region, but he would still continue to supervise the growth of the church that he left. And he did this by writing them letters. The book of Galatians that we are turning to today is one such letter that he wrote to the Christian church plant that he left in a part of the world known as Asia Minor. He wrote this letter some 15 to 20 years after Christ had died. This little letter that the apostle wrote to the Galatian church was not only to provide them with a way to enter the kingdom of God, but it was also written so that they would know how to live as part of the kingdom of God. Many of us come to churches, we join churches, and we have given our heart to the Lord, and we have confessed faith, and we are a part of the practicing community, but we think that that is all that is required of us. There is, it's one thing to enter the kingdom, it's an entirely different thing to live in the kingdom. And so the Apostle Paul wanted this Galatian church to understand that now that you have stepped from darkness into light, what you used to do, you can't do anymore. The way you used to live, you can't live anymore. Paul is simply saying that if you want to continue to do whatever it is that you have been doing, then don't waste our time and join this community of believers. I began by reading the very first verse of the third chapter where it was crystal clear. Paul said, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Brothers and sisters, we live in an age where the church is in desperate need of people in the pulpit who is going to stand and tell you the truth. You cannot continue to live the way you live and expect another breakthrough and expect the things of God when you are not willing to do what is 
required of you. There can be no resurrection unless there is first a crucifixion. You must die to yourself, to your old ways of living before you can walk in the newness of life that God has for you. How to live as part of the kingdom of God is the biggest challenge I feel is facing the church today. You don't need to go too far to find a church on a corner. Heaven knows Mount, Mount Vernon is only four square miles and we have more churches here than we have homes. But somehow, somehow it seems that everyone is busy doing church their way. Well, Paul came to tell the Galatians, listen, I know what you're about, and I want you to understand that you can't do it and have it your way. This is not Burger King AME Church. There are three main things that we need to know that can be helpful in us understanding Paul's letter to the Galatian church. Number one, hear me clearly, the letter addresses a social and racial division issue within the church. There were things going on in the church where you had some folks who they called the Gentile believers. And then you had another group that was called the Jewish believers, all believing in Christ. But the Jewish believers believed that the Gentiles ought to do things the way they did things. They needed to keep the law the way the Jewish believers kept the law. But the Gentiles didn't know the law. The Gentiles only know faith in Jesus Christ. The division came about because everyone was confused about the nature of the gospel. You see, in other words, some people believe that once you have accepted Christ, you still had to do something extra in order to receive the benefits of grace. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something right now, categorically, without a shadow of a doubt. You bring nothing to the table. There is nothing about you that is God so desperately needs that you think that you are so important. Brothers and sisters, let me be clear. You and I, we bring nothing to the table. Our only claim to fame is that we are clothed in Christ. There is nothing else that we can say. It doesn't matter what job you have. It doesn't matter your level of education. It doesn't even matter your testimony. The fact of the matter is the only thing you need to boast in is the fact that you have a testimony of how good God has been to you. Despite yourself, God showed up in your life and you had an encounter with the living Christ that moved you from your wretched state to one where you are now acceptable and pleasing to God. Not because of anything righteous in you, for your righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. But Jesus clothed you in his righteousness. And that's the only claim that we have on this gospel. Paul used this letter to show the young Galatian Christians that their spiritual problem was not just because of their failure to live in obedience to God's word, but it was also due to their relying on their obedience to God's word. There is a difference. You see, when you start to think that your holiness, yes, you give to the church, yes, you serve the church, and you start to look around and say, I give more than brother so-and-so. 
or I do more than sister so-and-so. What you have started to do was you have started to diminish the Christ in them to elevate the lack of Christ in you. The message of the gospel is very simple. It is that we are more wicked than we dared to believe. But we are also more loved and accepted by Christ than we ever dared to hope. And so the truth of the gospel changes us. And Paul wants us to understand that this saving faith is the faith that matters. And so I want to talk a little bit about faith. Now I know all of this sounds basic to you because you've been in church for a long time and you understand church words. But I want to let you know the truth is many of us, if we are honest, we want to be our own saviors. Our hearts just love to manufacture glory for ourselves. So we find messages of self-salvation very appealing and very attractive. We gravitate to anything that will tickle our ears and make us feel more important than we really are. And so what we have done effectively is to take God off the throne and to replace him with ourselves. Listen, brothers and sisters, let me be very clear on this last Sunday of last worship service of Allen Temple in 2018. Sitting in church Sunday after Sunday will not save you from the pit of hell. Reading some daily devotions every day will not save you from the pit of hell. Attending every church conference or convention or missionary society gala will not save you from the pit of hell. The only thing that saves is faith appropriated in the finished work of Jesus Christ through your belief. In other words, it's a willingness to act on what you believe about who Jesus says he is. The religious folks will tell you, hey, keep all, keep all these rules and you can experience eternal blessing. That's good for them. That's prosperity gospel. Keep these rules. Send this money. Buy this cloth. Do this. Send me this. That's good for them. But that won't save you. The world will tell you, grab hold of these material things. The more houses and the more cars and the more stuff you have, you will experience blessings. Let me be very, very clear. None of these things will save you. So I'm glad you're in the pews. But the pews can't save you. It's not Christ plus something else. It's Christ and Christ alone. So the question this morning is, what is faith? And why is it so important to God? Well, the way I've chosen to answer this question is to look at three very simple things. Number one, who we are. Number two, what God did in Jesus. And number three, why God did it. You see, in the book of Galatians, the fourth verse, it, 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 the first chapter, the fourth verse, it actually gives us, it actually gives us the whole answer. Here's what it says. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So here is who we are. Who we are is we were people in need to be rescued. I have the image of a man that's drowning. There is nothing that man can do to save himself. That is a picture of you and me in this sinful world. There are things around us, things happening to us, and there is nothing we can do to save ourselves. Yes, you can swim for a little while. Yes, you can hang out, but the bones are going to get tired. 
tired. The muscles are going to get weary. At some point, you are going to be sinking and you are in need of rescue. And until you recognize your need to be saved, you are always always going to be sinking and drowning. So the first thing you need to understand is that many religions, they want to teach you about their religion. That's not what Christianity does. Make no mistake about it, and I want to make sure you understand me clearly. I am not a pastor in this pulpit simply just preaching to teach you about Christianity. That is not my job. My job in this pulpit is to what? Show you that you are going to be rescued. You are going to be saved from something that you cannot control yourself. So who we are, we are a people in need of rescuing. The second thing is what Jesus did. The text says, who gave himself for our sins. In other words, Jesus died for you and for me. That's how he rescued you. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life. So when you are drowning, when you are in that place where you just can't get out of it yourself, Jesus says, I'm taking you out and I'm going to drown on your behalf. Because one thing you need to know is that if you are stuck in the water, you deserve to be there. I don't know if you heard what I just said. If you are stuck, you deserve to be there. For all that has happened in your life has been the choices and the decisions that you have made that brought you to the place that you now find yourself. And when you have found yourself stuck is the time where God shows up and says, See, you tried to do it on your own, but if you followed my way, I will lead you to the path of righteousness. For what? For my name's sake. Not for anything that's good about you, but for everything that is great about God. So what God did was to allow Jesus Christ to come and die for you and for me just so he could rescue us, people in need of rescue. So the third and final question was, why God did it? Why would God send his only begotten son to rescue a people that don't even care whether or not he did it? Well, the text tells us according to the will of God our Father. This is grace. We did not ask to be rescued, but God gave us a plan that we didn't even realize we needed. Think about that. God is giving you something that you don't even know you needed. I love the example of a fish swimming in the ocean and trying to tell people on dry land how to live. A fish has no knowledge of what's going on on the land. That is us, stuck in our sin, but still trying to tell God how to run his business. Can any of you create the universe? Can any of you allow yourselves to breathe? Can any of you allow yourselves to carry out the functions that are normal to the human body? There is nothing that you bring to the table. God is a holy God. God is a merciful God. God is a loving God. God is a faithful God. And God is a graceful God. For he sees you in the mud and he says, listen, you don't even know that you need to be rescued. So let me send my son. Let me take him and swap him for you. So now you can experience grace. 
God did it because he is love. And love always gives. So I went through all of that to let you know that as professing Christians, we need to be absolutely clear in the fact that salvation, the way we understand it and the way we talk about it is God's calling, it's God's plan, it's God's action, and it is all God's work. He alone deserves all the credit, he alone deserves all the glory, and he alone deserves it all the time. He is God. And until we get to the place where we develop a healthy appreciation for who God is, then brothers and sisters, you will still continue to get what you've always been getting. Don't let 2019 be a year where you continue to do things the same way and expect God to do something different. So now we can get back to the text. Our text says, But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Look carefully. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Here is the process in the Bible. High level. Abraham received the promise from God. 430 years later, Moses received the law from God. A thousand years later, Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. That's the process. The law did not come to tell us about salvation. What the law came to do was to let us learn about sin. When Moses received the Ten Commandments and he came down from the mountain, he was letting them know these laws are helping you to see how wretched you really are. The purpose of the law was to pull the lid from off of our own respectability and to show that we were really what we are really like underneath our nice church clothes. Sinful, rebellious, guilty, under God's judgment, helpless. You can never bypass the law of God and come straight to the gospel because you must appreciate how wretched you are. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Now I'm painting for you a very bleak picture because you need to understand what the gospel is really all about. So when Paul says the law was our tutor, our schoolmaster, it was making us aware of our condition and need for a savior. Make no mistake about it, brothers and sisters, we are guilty because of our sinful nature, and the day will come when we stand before the righteous judge. I'm telling you, this is the gospel. But while we stand before the righteous judge, Jesus, our intercessor, comes right in. And he stands before the judge. And he says, you know, they have done wrong. They don't deserve this. Well, they actually do. But I'm taking off my robe. 
and I'm placing it over them. The image I'm showing you is one where unless you get to the place where you understand how much you need God, you will never appreciate what God did for you. I want you to understand that you cannot save yourself. No amount of coming to church, no amount of giving in the offering, no amount of loving your neighbor as yourself, no amount of even loving God all the way through can save you unless you are clothed in Christ. This is what the Apostle Paul wants us to understand. This is the reason why he said, but before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law. You are under judgment, but before faith came. And it says being shut up to the faith, watch it, being shut up to the faith that we are now, that we are now later to be revealed. Verse 23 Look carefully. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. So being in Christ means that we have become children of God in a way that we would not be able to otherwise. I don't know if you're understanding it, but what I'm saying to you is that when Christ came, when Christ died, that was the faith that Abraham was looking forward to. That was the faith that Moses was looking forward to. That was the faith that all the prophets were looking forward to. That's what Paul wants the Galatians to understand, that he came. And all what the prophets had been waiting for had now arrived and it has now been revealed. And if you find the revelation knowledge that Jesus is who he says he is, has done what he said he would do, that you are a person most wretched in need of salvation and allowed yourself to be clothed in Christ, then you have the faith that saves. Now, why is that important, Pastor? Well, faith is not believing in spite of the evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of the consequence. That's what faith is. It is not something that you just walk around and say, I have faith. It's something that propels you to act. And so I showed the video of that man. And the reason why you all laugh, which most people do, is because it's funny. But if we take a step back and think about the consequence for you to stand, for that man to stand on that platform and listen to the pastor tell him, close your eyes and fall. Trust in the fact that all the people that you saw before you stepped up there are going to be there to catch you. You now stand in a position where you are now putting all of your trust, believing that when you fall, someone will be there to catch you. No one caught that man in the video. And what I'm telling you is that what Jesus Christ has done, the difference between faith properly placed in Christ, not in a church pastor, not in the people who are going to be there for you, and they all say it, we are there for you. I'm saying the faith has to be properly placed 
in the right place, which is in Jesus Christ. Because what the video can't show you, which you need to see in your spirits, is that whether you fall to the back, whether you fall to the front, whether you fall to the side, to the right side, or whether you fall to the left side, no matter which side you fall, Christ will always catch you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the message of the gospel. That it doesn't matter. The only important thing, though, is that you must act on faith. Because until you decide to take the fall, you can never appreciate the glory of being caught by God. And that's what I mean, being clothed by Christ. So, my brothers and my sisters, the idea here is that no matter what the trial or the problem is that you may face in your life, hear me clearly, it doesn't matter how oppressive your boss is. It doesn't matter how challenging your job gets. It doesn't matter how many times you feel or have been rejected. It doesn't even matter how many times you've been overlooked. How many bill notices you get. How many collection calls you avoid. It doesn't even matter how much interest you have to pay on a loan. It doesn't matter how far behind you are on your mortgage or even on your rent. It doesn't matter how many times you've been cut off or how many kids they left you with. It doesn't matter how many taxes you owe. Now I'm going through a litany of things because I'm coming maybe down your street. It doesn't matter how difficult your spouse is. It doesn't matter how unreliable your friend is. The point I'm making is that when you are clothed in Christ, it doesn't matter what causes you to fall. All I'm saying is step out on faith, knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ is faithful to perform all that he said he would perform for he is and will always remain faithful. To be clothed in Christ means that you no longer walk in fear of the storms in your life. I, I, I want to leave you with this one point as my voice is starting to fail. I was meditating on Jesus walking on water. And they all saw the storms and they were all fearful. And Jesus said, you know, peace be still. And the waves and the storms died down. As I was meditating on that, brothers and sisters, hear me clearly. You have storms in your life. A lot of them. The waves come crashing. The rain comes down. I mean, these are real storms in your life. But it occurred to me that despite all these storms, it was God who made the storm. It was God. The same God who is saying, peace be still, is the same God who sends the storm. So I'm trying to figure out then, if I need to be rescued, and I need this thing called faith, then is it possible that every storm in your life was sent just by God so that you would have an opportunity 
to demonstrate your faith. For until you fall, you can't appreciate being caught. So maybe 2019 is the year where we're going to take a look at the storms in our lives and see what it is that God wants us to exercise in faith. If he's the same God that sent the storm, he's the same God that can calm that storm. The question is, am I going to believe the storm is greater than the God who made the storm? Let that be our goal for 2019. How can I better exercise my faith knowing that I am clothed in Jesus Christ? A simple message, but one that I hope you take to heart. Because if you don't, what you will find is that we will be here, the same place in 2019, getting ready to ring in 2020 and wonder what happened and why we're still seeing storms. Maybe, maybe it's time for you to get out of the rain. Maybe it's time for you to put on Christ in a way that you have not done before. Maybe it's time to really take your faith a lot more serious than you did in 2018. Maybe it's time for you to simply say, I no longer want to be a foolish Galatian. Maybe this is the time and the season. Maybe this is the moment. Maybe that's the breakthrough that you need to recognize that the storm is passing over but I must be clothed in Christ.